Hey guys, before we dive into the show, I wanted to tell you about my new trailer music toolkit, which is 100% free and you can download it right now over at richardprin.com forward slash toolkit. This toolkit contains... Firstly, my perfect trailer cue blueprint. It also contains a handful of one-shot samples, like huge trailer hits, pings, plucks, brahms, booms, transitions, and downers. Perfect for beginners, pros, and everything in between. Okay, let's get into the episode. Hey guys, welcome to session number 10 of the Trailer Music Composers Podcast. Hit it! One man with one microphone once performed on stage with Red Hot Chili Peppers drummer Chad Smith. Welcome to the Trailer Music Composers Podcast. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Trailer Music Composers Podcast. In today's episode, I'm going to be talking about a question that I got asked by one of my students in the Trailer Music School, which was, how or have you got any advice to help us stay on brief. Now, um, this kind of stemmed from the fact that each month at Trailer Music School for uh, my members, I do a brief, and I set them a brief, like essentially like an industry brief, trying to get them to produce tracks to submit to me so that I can give them feedback and you know we can essentially improve their writing skills and also improve their skills working to brief, because that's a huge, huge thing. Um, now, before I answer that question, I kind of want to talk about that a little bit, because as a trailer composer, you're not just a composer, you know, you're not just writing music that you like and then sending it off and it gets placed. Um, what you are doing is you are working with other people as a composer. So you're working with your publisher, you're working with your, your agent, whoever it is you're working with, uh, the editor, you're working with other people to their brief, so the ability to work to a brief is so enormously important. I have worked with quite a few people and you know and obviously quite a few students who are obviously incredibly talented composers who when set to their own devices can produce the most amazing work. But then when you set them a brief or even you give them feedback that they respond to they are unable to respond to the feedback correctly. Uh, and when, obviously when I say correctly, we're all dealing with subjective changes, but they're important subjective changes. So for instance, if I were to submit my tracks, my usually sketches to Vic at Elephant Music, um, uh, you know, I'd send them to him, he would send me feedback based on what I have submitted. Now if I was not able to respond to that feedback correctly in the manner that I do, he would probably stop working with me as much. And this is the thing, because, uh, you know, when I've had students and I've submitted a brief and I've told them this needs to be changed in a track and they haven't done those changes or haven't tried to do those changes, it's been very frustrating for me and I'm sure it's very frustrating for all publishers. So any of you publishers, editors, whoever you are, who ask a composer to make some changes and they don't, I feel your pain. I understand, you know, it's, it's incredibly frustrating, especially when you give very prescriptive changes like at 30 seconds, take that drop out, it doesn't work, and they leave the drop in. Um, 
it's very frustrating. Now, going back and putting my composer hat back on, I completely understand it, because when I first started getting feedback uh, and people would sort of suggest to me changes to my track, you know, I had this huge ego. You know, I'd be like... Uh, <laughs> I think I know my track better than you. And, you know, who's the one who studied music? <laughs> I mean, I must have been a right arrogant twerp um, to work with sometimes because, I, you know, obviously I didn't say this to them. You know, but but I obviously think it when people would suggest changes. But over the years, you know, my, well, I suppose over a decade of experience in the industry, uh, I've come to realise actually the ability to respond to feedback is as, if not more, important than your ability as a composer to produce a track outright. Now, let me uh, further that point, because, say, for instance, there's two composers, composer A, composer B. Um, We'll call composer A Richard, and we'll call composer B Edward. Uh, Now, Richard submits a track. He is an incredibly talented composer. He has produced an incredible piece of work. Edward... He's an aspiring composer. He's produced a track that some would say is more along the lines of a sketch, but there are some good ideas in there. Now, both Richard and Edward submit their demos to a publisher. Let's call it the Awesome Music Publisher. Um, By the way, I did air quotes when I said that. Uh, So the Awesome Music Publisher receive those two tracks, and on the rare occasion that they have the time to listen to them, you know, these unsolicited demos, they send an email back to both of them. Now, to Richard, they say, Richard, love this cue. Uh, I do have some notes. If we can make these notes, then maybe I can fit it onto an album we're putting out in the next month. Uh, These are the notes. your back end just needs a little bit more, a uh, bit more welly, you know, uh, British term there. Um, a bit more oomph, that means. Uh, you know, uh, and actually your percussion's a bit bright, uh, so maybe take the snare out in the back end. And also, I don't think the drop from Act 2 to Act 3 is necessary. Take that out. Okay, so uh, he sends that email to Richard. Richard reads the email and goes, well... I'm going to leave the drop because it makes musical sense. It's musical punctuation. I'll leave that in there. Uh, I'll address the uh, the oomph. I'll put some more drums in there. But actually, you know what? I like the snares and I like the high end of the percussion, so I'm going to leave that in there. So Richard doesn't respond to all the elements of the feedback that, that were given because he believes he knows better. He sends his demo off. Now, Edward, obviously, you remember, he has a sketch that's... Uh, has potential so the publisher says hi edward uh, thanks for submitting the demo i think this is a very rough sketch from what i've heard but i really like the ideas you've got here specifically your signature sound in act one and your interesting percussion in act two now if you can then take that signature sound and use that as your cue's driving force and use that repeated throughout the whole cue but what i want you to do is rather than just repeat it i want you to feel like make it feel like it's developing so add some filters add some whatever it is to give it a little bit more growth uh i think the sicario trailer you know i think that type of growth uh and also you know the percussion is good but it, it, you need to fan out you know maybe chuck in some um hans zimmer drums so edward gets that email and he responds to the feedback appropriately what he does is he goes out and buys 
the uh, Spitfire hands him a percussion so he can add some Tycho's at the end and he makes that third act more impactful. Uh, and what he does is he creates a, the signature sound, well he has the signature sound already, but then he develops it using filters, using different effects, so that actually the signature sound becomes almost the entire cue. But what it is, is he has responded to the feedback appropriately. Now, those two tracks are then sent over to the publisher. The publisher goes, ah, okay, well, Richard hasn't actually done the stuff I asked him to do. That drop's still there, uh, and that tinny percussion is still there. Um, Edward has responded to the feedback, and the track is sounding a lot better. I'm going to send them both another email. And so Richard gets another email. You know, just I'm going to brackets here. Sorry for the long, drawn-out story, but I, I feel like I need to paint this picture because lots of people, I think misunderstand how important the ability to respond to feedback appropriately is anyway Cameron so Richard gets an email being like hey Richard thanks for this you know um if you could just take that drop out in this percussion sort this percussion out then we're good to go with this track and Edward gets an email that says this is sounding much much better now um if we can just add some sort of huge brass boams in the third act then we're good to go with this um and obviously Richard gets the email and goes yeah, okay, no, I, I'm going to make the drop a little bit shorter. So he, he makes the drop shorter. So he believes he's responding to the feedback, but he's obviously just ignoring it. Uh, and he goes, okay, well, what I'll do is I'll just leave those snares in there, but I'll just drop them down on the mix. He sends the cue off. Edward then gets his track, and he goes, okay, well, uh, yeah, I'll do everything. I'll get some brass brahms, and I'll chuck those in, and, you know, and, and maybe what I'll do is I'll, I'll just fatten out a little bit more with uh, layers and layers of brass, and, you know, and maybe I'll chuck them through sound toys decapitated to give them extra grit and, you know, fits in with the rest of the queue. Anyway, they send their tracks off, and again, the publisher gets Richard's demo, gets Edward's demo, and they go, okay, well, Richard's not done what I've asked. Edward has. Email Edward. Edward, thanks. This is great. Can you send over the stems, and we're good to go. Um, and, you know, what? maybe the publisher just ignores Richard. Now, the moral of the story here, (laughs) of the long, drawn-out winding story, is that you need to take your ego down a notch and step back emotionally from your own music. Now, this is a huge thing for responding to briefs correctly um, and responding to feedback correctly. When you're writing music for somebody, it is essentially a service you are providing. You know, it's kind of like, you know, imagine you've got, I don't know, got a chippy around woodworker, and you've said, look, Mr. Woodworker man, or lady, uh, let's call her Mrs. Woodworking Lady, um, we'll call her Tess, Tess the Woodworker, uh, I would like a desk that spans from this wall to this wall, please. And Tess goes, okay, great. Um, I'll build it in my shop, and then I'll bring it back. Tess returns with a desk, but the desk is only halfway between the two walls. And Tess turns to me and says, hey, uh, yeah, I liked your idea about the desk spanning those two uh, walls, but I thought it would look better if I left it like that. Now imagine the audacity of, of somebody providing a service to then second-guess your request as the person who's essentially paying them to do it. And that's exactly the same with music, you know, uh, except for some reason musicians and composers, some of you... <laughs> And I've been guilty of this too, so you know, don't feel like I'm just accusing you. Uh, some of you still have this kind of like, well, you know what, it's my music, it's very precious to me. I mean, that's great, and it is. 
But you know what? If you're supplying a service, you must listen to what's being asked. And this is the same with responding to a brief. You must listen to what's being asked. So in answer to that question, what tips do I have for responding to a brief? The first one is take your ego out of the equation, take the emotions out of the equation, and just look at it as a service you're providing. And this will help you through the whole feedback process. So if you're lucky enough to have a publisher that you can pitch tracks to or have requested tracks, they're obviously interested in your work. So if you send over a a lower quality demo, as long as your ability to respond to feedback is good, that doesn't matter. I mean, honestly, the demos I submit to Vic uh, at Elephant Music, sometimes they are barely a sketch. You know, sometimes it's like, or they're rarely mixed, you know, they're always peaking. Uh, they're, they're basically just ideas. I've literally like thrown out some ideas, and I send them to him, and I go, Vic, here's an idea for that. And obviously he knows my ability to respond to feedback is good, so he's, he's like, okay, basically carry on or whatever, or this is rubbish, uh, do this. Uh, and I respond to feedback, and the track gets pushed and developed and released. So first step is see it as a service you're providing. Now the second one... And this is the trickiest one, I think. Um, This is do not get distracted by the beautiful references. Uh, You know, the amount of times I have responded to a brief by accidentally, and I don't mean that sarcastically, but like I, I honestly did not mean to steal something from a track, but I've written a track and I've gone, oh no, I've just copied that cue. And and I've had to chuck it out because obviously, uh, you know, none of us are big fans of copyright infringement, even though it's a grey, murky world with more and more copyrights being registered. Anyway, I think that's a whole podcast in itself. So do not get distracted by the references. And I don't mean, like, don't listen to them. Obviously, it's incredibly important that you listen to them. But what's important is that you listen to what the publisher or whoever it is that's asking for your work is what they're asking for. So, for instance, if your publisher is asking for, like, a slow burn album to be produced by you and a bunch of other composers, and they've sent over a description of what they want, and they've sent over some trailer references and some audio references, you don't listen to the cues in detail. You list them as gestures, and you try and take out key words from the brief. So, you know, so obviously slow burn epic is going to be slow. It's going to be emotional. Uh, you listen to the cues and you think, well, that chord progression is nice. Be careful. What you listen to is the space that the cue is creating. Uh, you listen to the impact that the cue is creating. You listen to the instrumentation, the orchestration. Because if you start listening to the details, like melodies and harmonies, that's when it gets a bit murky. But if you listen to those more general things, you know, the seven aspects of music, silence, uh, dynamics, texture, timbre, um, maybe we won't listen to the other ones because that's harmony and melody, isn't it? Uh, What's seven? Um, Rhythm, there we go. You listen to those things and how the picture is being painted, and that is how you respond to the brief. So, you know, slow burn. The tracks are going to start with a lot of space. And I mean, I, don't, I mean space, not silence. I mean, they're going to create a very, very big sonic landscape very immediately with distant booms and with uh, distant harmonics and the faint whiff of a very slow but swelling chord progression. 
and that you'll notice with slow burn for example it just develops it like develops like this very slow giant slowly standing up so when you first hear the cue you get this impression that there's a big beast in the room in fact he's not even in the room that's the toe of the beast in the room the rest of the beast is lying outside but you you get this impression of something massive and you're not thinking, well, obviously they're, they're in the key of A minor, and then they go from A minor to F major 7, and then they go to C major 7. Uh, you're not thinking that terms because, you know, we're all dealing with the same chord sequences, blah, blah, blah. What we're trying to think is what picture are they painting? You know, and then the slow burn, you know, uh, there's, there's not going to be a huge amount of driving percussion. It's more going to be sort of uh, like the percussion is is acting kind of like a tidal wave, you know, big waves crashing on the shore. Uh, and that's what you're trying to do. I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm not giving you a brief for a slow burn. I'm just using it as an example. You know, you could go into horror cues and say to yourself, okay, well, what is it that, what picture are they painting with this horror cue? Um, you know, obviously, you go, okay, well, th- all of these references that I've sent me are very intimate. You know, the most of the instrumentation is string instrumentation. It's very closely recorded. There's not much reverb and space on the actual strings. And rhythmically, it's very interesting. Um, you know, there's all these things that you just... You take general inspiration from the references. You don't take specific inspiration. You take it like somebody's just quickly showing you a slideshow and then says, create a mood board from what you've seen. That's what you need to do. You're kind of essentially taking that as a mood board, not as direct references. And then if you can take the general picture that's being painted from the cues and apply it to your own... So let's go back to the slow burn. You go, okay... So I don't need huge amounts of percussion. I just need some big hits, some tam-tams. So you get your instrumentation, you set out your template, and you think, okay, it just needs to feel big and distant at the start. So then you just load up a couple of reverb sends, and then you just play in a couple of notes just to give you that idea. Um, and if some of you are thinking, okay, well, how do, I, how do I avoid that kind of trap of copying the chord progression? You know, admittedly, Guys, we all we all know that we are dealing with a limited number of chord progressions, and to be honest with you, most of us are using the same ones. Um, so as long as you're, you know, you, you can just take whatever chord progression is appropriate. So obviously, if it's a slow burn, probably want to start in a minor chord progression, um, because the key there with slow burn is often the emotion, and the emotion is usually angsty and sad you know uh, very rarely it's uh, happy but you know obviously there are exceptions to the rule anyway so let me sum up what i've said so far uh, so step one for responding to a brief is take your ego out take your emotion out and just see it as a service you are providing okay so when you go forward throughout the whole process you are providing a service if they ask you to take that entire section out just take it out <laughs> you know it's like it's that obvious Sometimes they'll say, you know what, this is great, just take this out, and you don't take it out, you just drop it in the mix, you cheeky monkey, you. You need to take it out, because that's what they want. Okay? Next up is, when you're reading the briefs, take a general mood from the references. What picture is each cue painting? what i'm thinking of here is specifically when they send audio references when they send trailer references that's kind of like a different interpretation because what you're trying to see in the trailer references is how those tracks are used so for instance 
going back to the slow burn, slow burn cues are often used start to finish because they essentially cover all the bases of Act 1, 2 and 3. Uh, or you've got Act 2 and 3 because the thing with slow burn is you want the continuation of the idea from Act 2, which is when the proverbial hits the fan, into Act 3, which is when everything blows up in everyone's faces, all the emotion, the tears, the deaths, the lovemaking, you, you name it, and then the, you know, the drop-down, the climax... Then once you've got this picture and you've taken the instrumentation and the mood from the cue, if you combine that with your ability to respond to feedback, you are on a winning road, okay? Uh, Now, the other aspect of it is punctuality. If you can get your tracks on time, you are winning, okay? So many composers are late in their submissions, and that has consequences for all other composers. Uh, And it's very frustrating as a composer if you get your tracks in on the deadline, and then then you get an email from the publisher who says, okay, you know, the deadline's shifted because the other composers are late. You're like, oh, man, come on. Now my timescale has shifted because of other people's inability to because everyone has the ability to work on time but choices to not work on time um and that comes down to obviously uh one of my other episodes which is how to increase your writing speed and how to uh just let your inspiration flow and stop being so picky about the things that you do as a composer because you know you're essentially developing an idea with a publisher you know um i know some publishers are different you know they're not all the same But I digress. Um, So there we have my tips to help you respond to a brief. I mean, it, it, like I said, it essentially comes down to taking your ego out and taking gestural ideas, mood ideas from the, the references. What pictures are these tracks painting and with what instruments? Um, you know, obviously some of you are probably thinking, well, you know, there are uh, harmonic and melodic specific tendencies within genres. And yes, that is true. But that is not as important in my mind as your ability to pick out a specific mood and the space that's being painted by the cue. Um, and because, you know, sometimes if you produce a wild card, that can be amazing for you. Um, so, yes. I do hope you have enjoyed another rambling episode from me about helping you, or trying to help you, uh, respond to briefs. And uh, any of my students who are listening, you know, take what I say on board. You know, if a publisher asks you to take something out of the track, just take it out. You know, <laughs> someone asks you to take the piano out, take the piano out. Uh, you know, I think if you can respond to those briefs without an ego. And with the right genre-specific sensibilities, then, you know, you're pretty much there. Um, The rest else will be ironed out. And if you want more sort of harmonic and uh, melodic tips, you know, I'm not sure the podcast is the best place to do it, you know. Let's go through Mozart's score of his Opus 425. (laughs) Uh, It's not going to be the greatest thing without any visual references, Uh, so probably won't be going into the deep details of that stuff on on the podcast. Uh, But anyway, I do so very much appreciate you taking the time to listen to this, as per usual. Um, And, you know, if you are interested in 
trailer music and want to become a trailer music composer you can obviously subscribe to my youtube channel that's richard schreiber or you can come on over to the trailer music school you can buy one of my courses you can join the community join the membership and hopefully i can help you on your journey of a trailer music composer thanks guys Hey guys, thanks so much for listening. I have something really, really exciting to offer you. I've put all 12 of my trailer music courses into a bundle called the Ultimate Trailer Music Bundle. And I've put it on for a very, very special offer. Head on over to richardprin.com forward slash trailer music bundle to get your hands on this awesome deal.